to Richmond Kickers Weekly. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's waving goodbye to Braden <laughs> Troyer. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. Is that how it works? We're, we're taking him to a field upstate or something he's, like that? He's just gone a farm to, upstate? He's gone to a better place. Okay. Yeah. He'll be happy there. It is weird. It's Braden Troyer retirement was the, yeah. the final game of the season. I feel like the kickers might fold. <laughs> Braden Troyer is. What if he was holding the whole thing up? You know, some people like remove a wall in their house and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to open it up, make the kitchen bigger. Yeah. Why is my house collapsed? He, he was the load-bearing wall yeah. with Braden Troyer. Yes. I mean, at times he was this season as the holding <laughs> midfielder. Yeah. He was the load-bearing defensive midfielder. There we right? go. So yeah, uh, wonderfully, Braden mm-hmm. Troyer um, ends his career, his Richmond Kickers career and his, I believe his soccer career with a win. Richmond Kickers 2, Orlando City B, nil. Troyer was captain. Mm-hmm. He was holding midfield out. He was uh, subbed off right towards the end so that he could get a big ovation at City Stadium. He was also he was the holding midfielder. He was also held in the arms of Elliot Barr, uh, co-host of River City 93 oh, podcast. We're going to be doing a kind of season review with them next week. Yes. But I was looking at the when we like went back and watched some of the game, uh, we saw when Connor Shinoski, uh, the kicker center back, scored. Yeah, they were all kind of celebrating near the corner flag. And in the background, you can see Braden Troyer communicating to the Red Army, I want to jump up there. And then he jumps <laughs> up. And I'm pretty sure it was Elliot he, he landed on. Troy also, what, hit the bar in the first minute or two? Mm-hmm. And I really, for a second, thought, oh, Right, we're going to get a, a braiding goodbye goal. Do you ever wonder if we didn't? Well, at least you got to jump not. in the crowd. But yeah. like, if you come out on your retirement game and like score a hat trick and like just play lights out and beat everybody, I wonder if there is that moment of like, well, should I be retiring? I guess that's <laughs> that's how you explain athletes retiring for sure and then coming back out a year yeah, later. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Braden Troy has thought long and hard about when to retire and what to do. That checks out. Yeah. That checks out. Um, all right, so let's talk about the two goals. Two goals. Uh, first in the what 31st, and I'm going to guess 35th minute. 36, I oh, think. Oh, it's so close. You did your best, though. 31st and 36th minute. Mm-hmm. Braden Troyer and Charles... Sorry, uh, yeah, I gave him a guess. <laughs> yeah, just give it to him, whatever. Connor Shinoski mm-hmm. and Charles Boateng. Yep. Let's talk about that Shinoski header. All right. All right. Good header, near post. Um, Herrera in the Orlando City B goal mm-hmm. maybe should have got down to it. I mean, 100% should have yeah. gotten down to My it. My working theory is he's six foot seven, too tall to get that low that quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also maybe thought he was closer to the post because just yeah. the way he kind of awkwardly slides over once the ball is already in the net, it seemed like he thought maybe I'm, I'm hugging that post for this ball to come in and wasn't cl- quite as close as he thought he was. Yeah. Couldn't get a foot to it. So it's 1-0. But to your point, it's a great header from Connor Shinoski. It's, I would argue, better delivery from a time Mwape who takes this free kick because it's, maybe what, 20 yards from goal. It's slightly Shooting left distance, of center. Right? I, I was, we were both really confused. Mm-hmm. when they lined up like is, is he not going to shoot this it's a slightly strange angle and it does seem like it invites a right-footed free kick taker so maybe if they just said it's going to be Moape it's going to be Moape but I do think the way he takes this free kick is almost similar to the way you would take a kick if you were hitting it on goal yeah he hits so it he's shooting towards the red army yeah kind of <laughs> yeah exactly I feel like both of the assists he get were maybe possibly shots uh, here maybe less so but it's it's a like, kind of low-ish driven but still bending away from goal ball so goalkeeper's never going to be able to get it but it's put on the head of Connor Shinoski with enough power behind it that if yeah. Shinoski just directs it on goal it's probably going to go in yeah this wasn't a lot of Shinoski neck muscle no. right most of the pace on the ball was from the Moape cross mm-hmm. and it's just a clever 
or like technically really good Shinovsky yeah. uh, redirect. Yeah. I don't mean technically as a qualifier. I mean as in good technique. <laughs> I understood, yeah. but I appreciate the clarification. <laughs> so it's one of the kickers, and, and that right there was like a good opportunistic goal. Yeah. The second goal as well, I would say the kickers took advantage of maybe Orlando City B not quite being as like defensively solid, which has been a yeah. recurring theme for them this season. A lot of standing off, a lot of indecision. Mwape ends up kind of dribbling wide. I'm going to say it's a cross because I'll give him credit for both, uh, but it's a driven cross that sort of looks like it's meant to be a shot, yeah. but instead it finds uh, Charles Boateng who slides in, puts it home, 2-0 kickers. And Boateng was really cleverly sort of mm-hmm. getting on the blind side of uh, left centre-back Brendan John, this is mm-hmm. number four. Um, he's sort of always out of his uh, field of vision, yeah. right? So that he can just, at the very last second, as Mwape sends in that... I'm going to call it a low cross, possibly shot. Mm-hmm. Um, he can sneak in behind. Brendan John's appealing for offside, but uh, Boateng's never, ever offside. No, he's not. And that's... He's maybe more appealing for, it's cheating, I couldn't see him. <laughs> yeah, that could be. There we are. <laughs> that's not fair. But I would add, like, there are things in in like the course of the shows that we do where it becomes a thing that you and I both like agree on. It's an idea or a concept that we both kind of believe in. Yeah. One of those this season has Josh been... Josh Sargent starting for the men's national team. Exactly. But yet every now and then, though, like, I would probably give you the credit there of like you're probably the one between the two of us who first was saying Josh Sargent should start. He should be a starting striker for the U.S. And I would say that of the two of us, you were the one who I think pretty early on in the season was like, I like this Charles Boateng guy. He should be involved more often. And I think we see the reason why you were correct. I just think uh, compared to Jackson and Chin, Mm -hmm. Boateng looks more lively. You see him more like come back, quick touch, layoff, and then dart in Mm -hmm. behind. Whereas Chin or Jackson, I would see maybe come back, layoff, but then more... I would use the word amble. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just basically everything is done a little slower. Boateng, Boateng does things um, a lot faster and takes people by surprise. I, yeah. I, I agree with, with everything you said because when he's just playing quick, connective passes, he does that fast. But even when he dribbles, like you, if Chin does that, if Jackson does that, it's a few more touches. Even the aforementioned Braden Troyer, it's a few more touches. It's a yeah. little bit less in control. Boateng, when he's controlling tight, he has two defenders on him. He still takes little touches. He still keeps causing problems and kind of routinely found a teammate because he'd pull a defender in, pull another yeah. defender in, and so somebody was open. And but even then, was just playing so quickly and getting so many little touches in that you know, regardless it settles the opposition defense yeah. more so, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought he was very exciting. I thought his link up with Mawape and back and forth yeah. was one of the more attacking combinations we've seen. More the exciting was combinations. Definitely the little yeah. guys teaming up. Mm-hmm. And then Nick Retzlaff, who's I think another one that you were sort of excited yes. about pretty early on in the season. And that's not with really any evidence mm-hmm. except for like the one cup game yeah. we saw, maybe. But what we saw from Nick Retzlaff in this game. I thought he looked really clean and smooth and a lot of incisive passes and some good couple of little touches into space and also just that thing that you and I both love of receiving the ball you know Mm -hmm. that move where you don't touch the ball but you turn as you receive it and take it with you it's like it's so fast and so clean and gets you away from people so quickly Mm -hmm. we saw all that from Nick Retzlaff in this game we did and I want to double down on that one for a moment because so often people will try to do that where it's like if Daryl is facing me right now if he passes me the ball and I like let it run through my legs and then turn and go and try to get it so often that is a person not necessarily being aware of how far away the defender is so that if you do that then it becomes like a 50-50 ball sometimes. That's not what you want. And it was telling to me that Retzlaff at times would slow it down, at times would play it backwards. But when he went for that sort of quick transition that you're talking quick about, turn. it was 
pretty much every single time that I recall the correct decision. He had the space. He had the, the time. space behind him, which yeah. tells us he's doing the thing you're supposed to do. The yep. thing Xavi did so well. The mm-hmm. thing Skulls did so well. Scanning, scanning, scanning. scanning check scanning, your scanning. shoulder. Check the other side. Look around. Have a 360 degree picture of the entire field. Maybe I'm giving Red Staff too much credit, but we definitely saw it in those moments. Mm-hmm. And it does make me wonder why didn't he play more games throughout the season. That's a fair question. I think a fair, a fair response would be to remember that this is the team that the kickers finished second bottom in the league. This is the team that was bottom of the league. Orlando City B. So there's also yeah. a chance that maybe Orlando City B made the kickers' lives a little yes, bit easier, were maybe already defeated on the road, final game of the season. Maybe they weren't quite as up for it as they would have been if this were the first game of the yeah. season. Yeah, I mean, so maybe you and I could have played against Orlando City B. Maybe you. For two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten all dribbly. It wouldn't have worked out well. <laughs> We love it when you dribble. Yeah. Um, all right, sure. so it finishes. Kickers mm-hmm. 2, Orlando City being nil. Like you said, kickers finish second bottom in the table. Anything else you want to talk about um, about this game specifically before we move on to the big news mm-hmm. that arrived in our inboxes at around 4 o'clock um, on Wednesday? Just that, like, it, it's sort of representative for me of the season that it finishes with, like, it, it's a good win, but I still, in the end, find it frustrating because, number one, I don't know if it was the kickers playing really, really well or Orlando City B being that bad. Probably some combination of the two. Yeah. But it's like this game, when we saw so many positive things, is against the worst team in the league. And so I don't know if that's like, okay, they were kind of finally putting it together and it was a good performance and they could have done this the whole year or if it was just like, no, like, like Orlando City B were kind yeah. of done. It's Braden Troyer's last so game. So we only do this against purple teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need Louisville City to drop down and then we'll, we'll get one more win. <laughs> The, the, this version of the kickers would not have done well against Liverpool. No, and yeah, with that in mind, as you said, uh, second bottom, 32 points from 28 games, second fewest goals in the league, mid-table-ish when it comes to goals allowed, but I yeah. think that's not surprising that we saw lots of nil-nils, one-nil losses, uh, good defensive record mostly for the kickers, less so when it comes to the attacks, which yeah. is another reason why this game was exciting, but also frustrating. Yep, and then the news I was referring mm-hmm. to, Wednesday about 4 o'clock, um, Kickers part ways with David Bulow. Mm-hmm. So head coach David Bulow, uh, from what I understood from, from the release, um, his contract was through the end of the year mm-hmm. and essentially it hasn't been renewed. Right. So not really fired, right? Just yeah. not renewed. Right. So David Bulow will not be back as head coach next season. He will not. And uh, it's... Uh I was somewhere mixed on this one of like, I, I thought that this might be the outcome. I wasn't necessarily sure. I didn't know if the kickers were going to kind of, I'm assuming there have been lots of conversations throughout the season about yeah. like performance incentives and what needs to happen. Um, it happened fa- fairly quickly in terms of the end of the season. And for you and me, I think we were a bit more like, I guess that makes sense. Second bottom, not always playing the most attacking soccer, not scoring as many goals as you probably need to continue to get uh, yeah. big attendances. For people who I think are more hardcore diehard fans, this seemed like a very big blow. And, yeah. and that's, I don't know if we want to talk about that now or yeah. we're going to have the crossover episode next week with. Uh, I think we'll talk about it both times. All right, all right. that makes so, sense. So, yeah, uh, next, next week we'll mm-hmm. be talking with the River City 93 guys, mm-hmm. Elliot and Shanir. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're also part of the, the Red Army, yep. the, the big kickers supporters group. Um, from what I've heard from people in the Red Army, they're very upset yeah. about David Bulow being let go. They were all in on Coach Bulow, mm-hmm. which honestly, when I uh, heard some of what they had to say, I found kind of surprising just yep. that a coach can be so popular with the hardcore supporter group after a season when you finish second bottom in a league where we expected to make the playoffs. Yeah. I can't imagine another situation where this would happen. I think a lot of it speaks to, honestly, um, that we've met David several times mm-hmm. and talked to him several times. 
Um, he's a really just wonderful, charming, energetic guy who always has something interesting to say, um, very generous with his time and with his praise. Yep. Like, I can understand really, really liking him like personally and wanting him to succeed. But at the same time, second bottom. Yeah. It's, I mean, so pausing on the and second a, bottom. On a results-driven thing. Yeah. Second bottom well, is a big deal. That, that's the difference there is I think for a very long time, this will probably not make sense to many people who aren't familiar with the kickers or the kind of the history of the kickers. But in my mind, since their founding in, what, 93, the kickers have been a very community-oriented team. There's been a lot of consistency. There hasn't been much change in terms of ownership until recently. Uh, Lee Kalashaw played for, I think, that inaugural team or thereabouts, yeah. became the coach, and the yeah, GM yeah. was there for a very long time. It was over a decade, yeah. Kalashaw was coach, and right? so so it's, it's a sort of Richmond institution that doesn't change that much, has had lots of success at times, has been less successful at other times. Yeah. But it sort of is more of a like community like event rather than a competitive sports franchise. So you're saying that because um, David Bulow felt like part of the community, yeah. like he would go to the Red Army sort of tailgate and thank the fans. He was very appreciative. But was on the field the last time they won a championship as a player? Of Worth course, noting, yeah. like, so has that the, connection too? He's part of the history of the yeah. team, right? Yeah. So yeah, it feels weird. It just feels weird to be like, I know he wasn't fired, but it feels weird to be severing ties with people. Yeah. It's not traditionally what the kickers do. It, it is not. And I think that is what you're seeing, in my opinion. We haven't talked to many people from the Red Army. They may very well disagree. Maybe I'm being overly like academic and thoughtful on this. But like, I think it's cutting ties with perceived tradition yeah. is sort of what we're seeing from that reaction of like things are being changed that haven't been the, the way they were in the past, just from yeah. like game day operations, game day management. But then, yeah, like Bulow going to the tailgates, supporting the Red Army, always being appreciative of what they bring. There's this feeling of like, okay, now this is changing. Now that is changing. Now yeah. we're getting rid of the coach. We're dropping down a league. And then there was a new ownership group mm-hmm. took over um, just before this yeah. season, right? I can understand from their perspective. You um, yeah. you have a coach. You finish second bottom. The coach, had, I mean, uh, uh, David Bulo was in here expressing the way mm-hmm. he wanted the kickers to play was this heavy possession, uh, almost Guardiola or Berhalterish yeah. uh, style, and that just didn't produce goals, right? It didn't produce wins. So, if you're the new ownership group, do you just keep going with that? Or do you say, all right, it didn't work, we have to change course? Yeah. I understand from a new ownership group perspective why you would want to change course. I do too. And, and again, there's not enough evidence throughout the season that it was getting mm-hmm. so much better so progressively. Like, it's not like how De Boer did a similar thing, mm-hmm. right? Atlanta had the same, went to play the same Dutch style, started horribly at Atlanta. They, I think they ended up finishing second in the East, mm-hmm. right? Like, they really turned it around. Right. So we can't say that the kickers did the same thing this season. No, I mean, obviously they didn't. But yeah. but I think that's where I feel the need to say, like, we've had David Bulow in studio. He's been very generous with his time and yeah. helping us understand I mean, we just things. like him, right? We, yeah, and, and we like him. So I'm, I'm not like... Like I, I am sad to see him go, but to yeah. your point, I also I do understand it. Is that the yeah. results? There was not the turnaround you want to see. There was not the reaction of like midseason. We're going to change things up. We're going to bring in new players. We kind of kept seeing similar faces rotated in that maybe we didn't feel like we're playing as quickly or fit the system as yeah. well. And so if you don't have that growth in a league that is in its inaugural season. And I feel like people use that as a defense of like, it's a new team, it's a new league, you've got to give the coach time. That's where I don't really buy in because... That's true for Madison. That's, that's true for true everyone, for literally Lansing. every team. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, well, I guess like Toronto too existed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, 
they existed in a different capacity, but also they're a reserve team, whatever, it doesn't matter. But like the teams that are new coming in, like they found a way. Look at Ford Madison, to your point, is a team who started very low in the table, stayed very low in the table, figured things out, adjusted what they were doing, yeah. and then ended, ended up making the playoffs. Yeah, like That's forth, what right? you want to do, is you want to turn it on and find that form. And I think for the kickers, they didn't reach that level, and I'm going to assume that there were other elements behind the scenes that we, we aren't privy to, but yeah. that factors into the decision-making as well. I mean, I think it's also fair to say it's probably not all David Bueller's fault, right? There's, I think no, you not. could probably ask questions about how the roster was built. Was there a high enough quality of player? I would ask that question. Uh, like, in, like in relation to, to the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's lots of other things that go into it. It's, not, it's never just one man's fault, right? But unfortunately, that's the nature of soccer. Mm-hmm. That's just how soccer works, yeah. right? If the if results are going badly, the easiest person to replace and hope that it changes something is the head coach, yeah. right? It's, what, it's just why it happens. Mm-hmm. So... In some ways, this is, to me, this is the kickers almost being more like a normal professional soccer team in that, okay, that's not working. Let's get rid of the coach and get someone new in. It's just the normal way that teams do business um, in soccer. Right. right. Because it's not as though the new ownership From the outside, this is not a shock at all, right? If you were just completely unconnected and you just looked at the table, looked at what happened, you'd be like, yeah, I guess that's how it goes. Exactly. And it's not as though the new ownership group came in, like built the roster and then hired David Bulo. Like David Bulo predates... The new ownership group. Yeah, yeah, and by so, half the season, right? And yeah. so th- th- you have to assume then that he was at least somewhat involved in the construction of the roster or had some input. Yeah. It wasn't as though he was thrown into this with no preseason and here's a bunch of guys. Figure it out as best you can. So I think that like simultaneously it's difficult to have a whole bunch of guys and try to get everybody on the same page. But that's not a. It's that's a thing that every coach in this league had to yeah. deal with, and and I and so while I don't put that entirely on him, he certainly shoulders some of the responsibility. So too do other people in the organization, though. And if it continues to be a, ba- a downward slide, and that has been what it's been for it's what been, three seasons now. It's been a rough three years yeah. as a kickers fan. Yeah. So if that continues, then you probably do have to look elsewhere for ways to change it up and and improve from top to bottom. All right. So my final thoughts on mm-hmm. David Bulo. Obviously, won't be back with the kickers next season. Um, I, so he's still young, right? He's like mm-hmm. 38, 39. Um, he's a young, energetic coach with a lot of ideas and like seems like one of those lifelong learner type mm-hmm. people. I genuinely think he'll still have a good coaching yeah. career somewhere. It may just be that when we look back, it was maybe he was um, too inexperienced to be the head coach of the Richmond Kickers at this time. Yeah. I've got faith that his career will still go well. I mean, this is his first pro job, right? Yes. Like, so, yeah, I think there's a decent chance we see him in an assistant capacity next season, or maybe he, he works like with an academy for a little while, but yeah. I agree entirely. Yeah, do you remember he was in here, um, he yeah. was saying like some of the uh, other jobs he was looking at before were like some... Uh, Development Academy jobs. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't remember if he said the team's on record or not, which is why yeah, I that's kept why it vague. I that's why exactly. I didn't say. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my assumption is that we will see him again, if not, like, certainly in this league or maybe a little bit higher. But I think we see David Bilo in, yeah. in, in coaching again in the near future, is my guess. And then for the kickers. And I, I hope that's the case. I as guess well. the somewhat exciting thing now mm-hmm. is we have a coaching search. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's hope it's exciting. Because yeah. what, I, what I would say. Okay, I'm comfortable saying this. Um, I, I think we've talked about like the tradition of the kickers over the years and everything they've built. Yeah. And the new ownership group has come in, but they do have connections to the way the kickers have been in the past. They have yeah. some, some familiarity there, a lot of familiarity there. And it seems like they've kind of tried to continue some of the operations of the past, but with a like for-profit mentality, which is what you are when you're a business. Yeah. And I would like to see them 
kind of steer away from that, much as that might upset the Red Army. But I would like to see them think about things a little bit differently than the way they've been in the past. And what will frustrate me is if we see another former player. So less who's of the old school kickers think and more of a like. Yeah, I think you've got to you've got to do one or the other. You can't. Yeah. They can't go for another former player who's coaching at an academy who's a cost effective solution, yeah. and then expect things to change. Like if you really want to put butts in the seats and get people excited, you've got to go out and, and find somebody who is going to appeal to yeah. the Red Army fans and the neutral fans alike. All right, here's my here's what I'm gonna throw out Julian Nagelsmann. I mean, that would be fine. That would be fine with me. I would have no qualms about that one. I actually, so I said that joking. Obviously, we can't get the RB Leipzig coach. He's mm-hmm. probably probably doing quite well at RB Leipzig but I would kind of like um, only because we've never seen it at City Stadium before a coach that's all into high pressing Mm -hmm. like I really think high pressing is the way to go in USL League One because from what I've seen all the opposition the kickers play against most of the defenders aren't brilliant at playing out of the back Mm -hmm. right so I think there's, there's opportunities to put pressure on defenders when they're in possession and win the ball high up the field. But we've never, like, uh, the kickers under Kalashaw didn't do it. Kickers under David Bueller were more focused on their own possession mm-hmm. rather than pressing and quick transitions. I would love to see, um, like, a high-energy, press-high, win-it-back, quick transition uh, kind of style. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know who that would be, well, we but don't I know, like that We idea. don't know enough about the coaching landscape at this level of soccer that mm-hmm. I could easily recommend someone, right? I was thinking, like, like I know he's probably out of the like the salary range, but James O'Connor, who was just released by Orlando City, uh, this the MLS yeah. squad before that with Louisville City, where he had lots of success, but I would then realize that Louisville City were a team that probably had more money in USL. Yeah. So what I want, to your point, is, like, a coach who had the pressing system, this exciting style of play, on like a limited budget, yeah. and then maybe went to a club where there was more money, got sacked, and now is looking for a job that will allow him to kind of <laughs> scrap with yes. a high-press, intense system. That's and, what I want. Here's my other argument for the high-press. I don't know press. who that is. If you, if you just want to entertain um, the crowd at City Stadium, mm-hmm. right, Like with all due respect to most soccer fans that are coming to see the kickers, they're not into like nerdy tactical stuff like we are mm-hmm. right and so i would argue that maybe uh, the coach the, the the style that Bueller was trying to play this possession type style if you don't understand that that's what the team's trying to do it can look not that exciting right it can just look like slow it can look like the uh like the simpsons joke about soccer where they're just passing it sideways yeah. and there's no action right rodriguez to rodriguez to, right um but a high pressing like fast moving style the crowd doesn't have to understand that tactically, but they'll know that like basically fast things are happening. Mm. There's just more action with that. So that may be a crowd pleaser and it may be um, successful in terms of scoreline. And it's worth noting... The I'm making o- a pitch here for what I want the team I'm to I'm going to back this pitch up. Yeah. It's worth noting that this... Change the name to the Richmond Pressers. <laughs> that that I'm not as big of a fan of, but it's worth noting this ownership group is like uh, like the, what the core members of the Davidson team that made the final four. Yes. the other team in Richmond that once made the final four is uh, the VCU, VCU basketball team. Yeah. Implementing oh, the get Jerry Rodriguez. the havoc system, havoc. which is you can't do because it's trademarked, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But like that is like full court, high press intensity from yeah. the start that people fell in love with. So that could be a Richmond tradition. That's what I'm saying. Is like <laughs> if if you like if I if I talk about pressing, can we get Shaka Smart to coach the kickers? 
I don't think he's doing that well in Texas, so maybe. Um, I think he's still in Texas. Um, but like when I explain what a high-press system is to my wife, she does not really – she's like, okay, so you run around a lot. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. But if I'm like – they play a Havoc system. She's like, oh, okay, now I get you. Like, oh, I so think, you're saying it would be easy to communicate yes. to it's like Havoc crowd. is back at City Stadium. Done. You'd have to like spell it with like a, an extra letter. With a Q. With a K for kickers. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. You've done it right there. Havoc with a K. Havoc with a K is back. I feel like we've just kind of made their lives easier. You're welcome. Go hire a pressing coach. All right. So obviously we're excited. There's got to be a Klopp assistant somewhere (laughs) that needs a job. We're excited to see what happens. We've got one more Richmond Kickers Weekly show coming up, I assume, next week. Like I said, it's going to be the crossover episode with Elliot and Shanir from River City 93. We will be taking questions. If you have questions about the season just gone and the season to come um, and everything in between, Email those questions, please, to contact at totalsockshow.com and we'll keep an eye out for them. Maybe put in the subject line, kickers questions, so that we can organize these and keep things somewhat... Because our inbox, is, our inbox is crazy. A little bit. Um, but also, maybe we'll put this out on Twitter as well and ask for questions. And we'll break with tradition and we'll accept questions in the replies to, uh, to the Twitter. We'll see. We'll maybe see. We'll. Depends on how good we'll they see. are. We'll see. So look for that next week. If there's and- a horse-sized duck question in there, I'm not answering <laughs> We're all arranged with Elliot and Shanir, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that this is happening without us having this planned. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's... Show up Monday. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's Monday. Okay, so we're recording it Monday. Or is it? Or is it? Yes, it's Monday. It is. All right. So we'll all be out of the loop a little bit, right? Or so, yeah. Oh, Taylor Rockwell. <laughs> On that note... Two more shows to go today, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Thank you for 99% of the show, not, that la- not just that last bit. Let's have the Red Army players out. It's Monday. Oh, yeah.